Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. A fine summer day here in Seattle. Eric, how are you doing today? Hey, good afternoon, Julie. I am doing okay. And uh, yeah, what a great day to take your dog for a walk because it's a little bit cooler this week. Yeah, huh? It rained yesterday, and I think there were a lot of Seattleites that were like, oh, okay, everything is right in the world because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could use some showers. And it looks like this weekend we might actually get some. So, uh, oh, really? My yard is uh, giving the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yard equivalent to a thumbs up, I yeah, think, right? uh, to that news. So, well, um, it's a we have a really special show today. I think I feel that way most weeks, but this one is a bit of a emotionally tender subject. Um, going to be talk. Well, I have Michelle Nichols here with me in the booth. Welcome back to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Julie. And Michelle is the director of the A Help Project which is a uh, local organization that supports people and their pets before, during, and after the end-of-life process. And we'll be talking towards the end of the show about what's going on within the organization. But what prompted this, uh, asking Michelle to come on and you were available to, which was great, kind of last minute, was that a friend of mine, um, her dog died suddenly last week and... um, she reached out to my wife and I to just let us know and kind of get some support. And um, it just really, uh, I think, reminded me about how hard it is to go through this and that it was time to talk about this aspect of living with dogs again on the show because it's been a while since I've talked about um, end of life and um, pet loss. And so joining us on the phone today is my friend Janice, who um, is the person whose um, dog died suddenly and unexpectedly last week. Um, His name was Haas, and he was a uh, very sweet, beautiful Doberman. So Janice, welcome to the dog show. Are you there? Julie. All right. I am. Thank you. Good. So um, I know we've talked, you know, a bit over the week and actually ran into you like for the first time in a long time, oddly, a couple days ago in Seattle. Um, but I just thought, you know, to have you come on and contribute to this show since you were the, you know, inspiration for doing, you know, having the subject matter on this week and to just share um, as much as you'd like about, you know, what happened so that it might benefit somebody else who, you know, goes through something similar with their dog and to just, you know, also talk about the the topic of, of grief and, and um, you know, as much as you'd like to get into it. So just thought I'd have you start off and just tell us a bit about Haas. Thanks for having me. Um, it's been a rough week. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he, we got Haas when he was just a baby. Um, he was only <clears throat> maybe 12 weeks old. He was a rescue. Uh-huh. And uh, he had had parvo mm. as as a as a puppy, and they nursed him back to health and put him up for adoption. And so he he ended up with us at a very young age. And he always in in the first about year and a half that we had him, he had some horrible digestive issues. We had a real hard time uh, with any kind of food. And it took us about a year and a half to figure out that 
uh, we were either going to have to put him on a raw diet or or you know, make his food, which mm-hmm. is a or lightly cooked diet, and that cleared everything up and everything changed from from then on. And he was uh, really healthy after that, mm-hmm. and we really didn't have many more issues. And <clears throat> what's so odd about all of this is that he was so young; he was only eight years old. I I thought for sure I had at least another five years with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first sign that something was going on really didn't happen until just a couple of weeks ago. And he had been on a walk and uh, he was with my son up at his house and and um, they, they were done with the walk and he started playing in the yard, running around with his buddy Tank, the Great Dane. Mm-hmm. And they ran around for a little while, and then Haas uh, started coughing. And he coughed and coughed and coughed, and pretty soon he looked weak and wobbly, like he wasn't getting enough air, and he collapsed, and he actually passed out. Mm. And that was the first time that anything like that had ever happened. Mm-hmm. He's he's had some a little bit of coughing bout, I've noticed in the last maybe six or eight months, but I always thought it was because he drank his water too fast or something. He had this funny way of drinking water. He'd stick his whole nose in the underneath <laughs> the water. So right. Um, <clears throat> but it, I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a red flag to me, but this this one incident a couple weeks ago certainly was. Um, and so we we went to the doctor. Um, week before last, so just one week before uh, before he passed away, and they did um, a chest X-ray. They wanted to make sure that nothing uh, that his lungs looked okay and that his heart looked okay. Um, they were particularly interested in looking at his heart to make sure that it wasn't enlarged and. And they also wanted to make sure nothing was in his throat. Um, and nothing showed up. They did extensive blood work. Um, the x-ray looked fine. And the doctor said, well, you know, maybe it's, maybe he's got some bronchitis there. And he wasn't coughing in the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really hadn't been coughing much since that episode a week earlier. So... Uh, with the x-ray coming back fine and the blood work looking great, um, we put him on some some antibiotics for um, for you know possible bronchitis. Um, the other funny thing he did, which I don't even know if this is related, but he he stumbled a couple of times, like um, like his leg was bothering him or something and and the doctor thought, you know, he might have a pinched nerve up in his neck. And so he put him on some um, just anti-inflammatories to see if that would, to see if that would help. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in the last couple of weeks, a couple of times when he would get up um, from laying on the couch, <laughs> that, uh, that he looked really stiff. It took him a minute to kind of, um, but again, nothing really that alarming. Yeah. Um, Certainly nothing then, that would make you think that he was close to end of life. No, not at all. Yeah. 
Not at all. So uh, the day that this happened, he, again, he was at my son's house because we had been kind of sharing the dogs. I have them a few days, and then he has them a few days because he's got a big fenced backyard that they love to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that day, he they were at the beach. He had taken the dogs to the beach, and they swam, and they ran, and they played, and Hoff seemed perfectly fine. Um, but then near the end of their beach trip, he again got really wobbly, and he started coughing. And he coughed and coughed and kind of wheezing, and he got real wobbly, and he collapsed again, and he passed out again. Mm. Now, that was the second time. And then, um, and so my son went over to him, and, and, he, and he woke up, and, and he got up, and he, and he seemed fine. Um, and then he jumped into the car, and he, and he passed out again. Mm. And I thought this this is this is not good. So my my son called me and said something's really wrong with Hoss. This mm-hmm. is he's passed out twice now. So I called the doctor's office and they said get him to emergency. And uh, so my son took him into emergency and um, they called me. I was on my way up, but it took us over an hour to get up there. So I was on the phone with the emergency doctor running through all of these um, possible um, scenarios that was completely over my head. I mean, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't grasp what was going on. And she named a couple of, a couple of things, and, and then I heard euthanasia come out of her mouth, and I thought, I don't believe this is happening. This mm. this can't be. I'm stuck in a nightmare here. I don't believe this. Um, so we got up there and to the to the emergency room, and they had done a uh, uh, an ultrasound, and he was in heart failure, <clears throat> and uh, she she was quite certain that it was, and I can't remember what they called it. I want to say pulmonary something or another. Anyway, um, he, he went into, into heart failure. And so the x-ray never showed an enlarged heart. He didn't really have an enlarged heart, but with the, with the, um, ultrasound, they could see that, that the heart was having a really hard time working. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were quite, and, and, and he couldn't breathe at that point without oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was so immediate. Um, it was such a shock because it was so immediate. He went from being fine to, you know, end of life in a matter of hours. Right. Um, that, that, I, I think that's, that's the hardest part. It was so unexpected. Yeah. And so what happened, you know, so you're on your way up there and you're talking to the vet and, you know, kind of going through options. And then did you ultimately have, you know, make the choice or did he pass on his own or how did that happen? No, I wish he would have passed on his own. We we did have to make the choice. Um, In her opinion, he couldn't survive without oxygen and therefore wasn't really a candidate to go home and then come back on 
uh, you know, the next day to see a cardiologist. He was too far gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And she in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 brought him in with us um, in the room, and they had to have an oxygen tank there. and And he was just wheezing and wheezing and coughing and coughing, and and he looked he looked miserable. He was very happy to see us, but um, and thankfully, my son was able to be with him. They took him into the back room as soon as they got there to do their. Um, ultrasound and to do the preliminary evaluation on him. So my son got to be with him the whole time um, that, that he was in the, in the back room, mm-hmm. which I was thankful for, yeah. uh, that he wasn't alone back there. Um, but when we got there, they brought him into our room and, you know, had blankets and, you know, something soft for him to lay down on. And he just, he looked just exhausted, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> like I, I had never really seen him before mm-hmm. he was just not in in good shape and in talking to our doctor our vet um who was out of town at that time unfortunately but he did call me just a couple days ago on on Monday and he had a chance to look over um the the report and look at the ultrasound and and all of the things that they had done in emergency and and one of my questions was you know if if we had known sooner, could we have done something? Mm-hmm. And his his opinion of that was maybe, but the the problem is with these dogs with Dobermans is that um, it's not uncommon mm-hmm. to to have this condition and and to go into heart failure. And he said that um, anything that they could have done with medication. Um, or otherwise would have prolonged the inevitable by maybe a week, mm. maybe a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it's not longer than maybe six or eight months, but you ultimately end up with the same, um, having to make the, the same decision or, you know, ending right. up with the same result, right. which is which is death. Right. And so it's been uh, just over a week now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A week and one day. It was last Tuesday night. Yeah. I bet you're probably still in shock that it's even, this is even your life. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Yeah. Uh, we all go from from disbelief to to grieving, to disbelief again. <laughs> like, you know, this just can't be real. Yeah. So, now, when I just... Very hard. Yeah. When, well, when you told me, I mean, Darcy and I both, our hearts just sank. I mean, and it does, you know, anytime we hear of a, you know, anybody who loses a pet just because we know, but especially someone who we know and we knew, you know, we know how what a big part of your and your family's life he was and it was just like mm-hmm. oh you know really our hearts sank uh pretty low when we when we heard about that and it just you know i i've been through it michelle's been through it you know we've all 
a lot of us have been there and understand how hard it is and how much your heart just aches. And, uh, you know, the grief process is a um, an interesting topic. And so I'm glad to have the opportunity to, you know, talk about this today to help support you and your family and anyone who's listening who's, you know, going through this currently or even has been through it before because it can can come back for a while. And, and Michelle's, uh, Michelle Nichols, who's the director of the AHELP Project, um, Animal Hospice, End of Life and Palliative Care, is, you know, has her expertise is in grief counseling and uh, really helps support the, the organization and really meeting their goals and helping people through this process. And so, uh, you know, I really thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience and um i know it's not an easy thing to talk about but um it's great to have this as part of this episode um since he was the inspiration for it and this show of course is dedicated to him so so michelle you when i had mentioned you actually had it sounds like somewhat of a similar experience with one of your dogs in the past is that right does it sound after hearing janice's story is are there is that true? Um, actually, Mackenzie um, collapsed and died. So uh-huh. it wasn't as drawn out as Janice's, where, you know, you kind of... Janice, first of all, I'm I'm sorry to hear, I'm so sorry about Haas and my condolences to your family. Um, it's a lot to be going through, and thank you again. We all learn from one another's experiences and... Um, telling stories is um, a way to get it out there. So, um, so thank you. Um, but um, I did go through the same experience, Julie, and it was, but it was much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, talk about shock and disbelief and going in and out of of this can't be happening kind of thing or this didn't happen yeah just in front of in front of me sometimes every every death is different Mm -hmm. and so none of them are easy so you know sometimes it's like you're just being pulled over the coals like it sounds like Janice (laughs) and her family were um sometimes it just happens so quickly like often occurs with an accident, you know, like a car accident, mm-hmm. that kind of thing is is so is awful too. They're all really unique. There's no easy. There and none of them are easy, Mm-mm. whether it's expected or unexpected or. Well, there are things that we can do to prepare ourselves. Um, right. And with the decline of an animal, sometime with a slower process, then we can move closer to acceptance, in such a way where it's never easy, but it makes it a little bit um, more peaceful and mm-hmm. dignified for the animal and so forth. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk more with Michelle about grief itself and what are some ways to help people move through the process to really, you know, heal from the pain of experiencing the death of a loved one. Um, talking about some some tools and some activities that people can do to help um, just keep that, keep the emotions moving so that you don't get stuck in any part of the process. Um, Janice, again, thank you so much for 
joining us today and sharing your story. Um, before we do take a break, though, would you just let us know a little bit about Haas um, as an as an individual in his in his really wonderful life with you guys? Um, what was he like? Um, he could have been a poster child for Doberman. <laughs> yeah. He was um he was one of the sweetest uh, and I mean sweet to the core. You can tell by the uh, photos that I've posted on Facebook yeah. and on the website of him. He has you can tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always felt like you could see straight through to his soul through his eyes. He mm-hmm. uh he was that sweet and people that that met him couldn't believe uh what just a beautiful dog he was inside and out and there there's one person in particular that um, I just think is such a cute story and that is um, a a former manager of mine I I took Haas into the office with me on on occasion Mm -hmm. and uh, my manager walked down the hall and and saw Haas in my in my office and his first reaction was very apprehensive, and apparently, as he was growing up, he had neighbors that had Dobermans that he felt were vicious, and he was terrified of the breed. Mm. And after he met after he met Hoff, it just totally changed his mind about the about the breed in general. He was he was that kind of a dog that uh, he loved to be loved, and he was quite sure that everyone loved him, <laughs> and and he loved everybody too. Mm. He was just wonderful, absolutely wonderful dog. Gave and received, it sounds, with abundance. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, just keep in touch with us, Janice, and certainly let us know or get in touch with a help if you need any support moving forward as you guys continue through this process. All Uh, right. Thank you very much. Yep. And uh, Michelle has uh, some parting words for you, too, before we go to break. Um, Janice, in case um, it is comforting for you to be around um, other people and to tell your story as it can be for so many, um, our Animal Caregiver Support Circle is in Kirkland on second Wednesdays of each month and in Seattle at Seattle Unity Church on second Sundays of each month. And I should have noted that uh, the Kirkland group is at the Natural Pet Pantry which is in the Houghton neighborhood. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what time? Uh, at 7 p.m. on we- second Wednesdays in Kirkland at Natural Pet Pantry and at 2 p.m. Uh, in Seattle at Seattle Unity. Okay. Great. Great. Well, Janice, you. we'll be in touch, and we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. As much as I love you But you may say My dog will always come through All he asks from me The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options, 
to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Burlingame Veterinary Consulting, we cover the world of animals. This week, July 26th, it's an encore presentation of Animal World. If you've never heard Dr. Nels Rasmussen work his magic with collars and their animal friends, here's your chance. Using BEST, bioenergetic synchronization technique remotely, Dr. Nels has helped so many, he's become one of our most popular guests. Find out why on Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk AM. 1150. This is Julie Forbes, dog training behavior and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. Hey, dog show fans. Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. Spray pure air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for pure air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit dogradioshow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Get your smile on with Alternative Talk 1150. That he knows he'll get So I love my dog As much as I love you Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes And we're back with Michelle Nichols Who's the director of A Help Project And we were just talking with uh, my friend Janice Who's, uh, she and her family Very suddenly um, Their dog passed away last week And it prompted a show on pet loss And grief and I thought oh I hope Michelle can come on the show last minute to talk about this topic because this is your area of expertise and then we can talk too afterwards about what's going on with a help as um, the purpose is to support the community with things like this but I just you know I was when we heard about Haas's death and we I was just like oh I could feel it in my heart you know I've been there and you've been there and a lot of people have been there and and there's plenty of people who maybe don't value the loss of a pet as much as the loss of a human family member and there's plenty of people who do <laughs> uh i know you and i are mm-hmm. two of them so um i just wanted to say gosh you know there's a lot of people out there who are going having to go through this part of living with a pet and um what are some tools that, you know, through conversation that we can kind of talk about to help people 
you know, nothing's going to make grief easy, but to keep it healthy and to keep those those emotions moving so that people don't get stuck. Um, and you have a lot of great ideas. Um, so I just wanted to talk first about, you know, what can you recommend for people to do? You know, okay, like you're in Janice's shoes. You know, what do you recommend? You know, of course, everybody's different and people go through this process differently. But, you know, it's like, what do you do with kind of the one of the worst things that somebody could imagine in their life happened? You know, mm-hmm. what do you do next to cope with it as best you can? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a... I love how you put that. What do you do next? (laughs) Because a lot of us do have a hard time getting through the process. Um, You don't, you know, it's, it's, you don't get over it. I mean, that whole cliche of just get over the death of your loved one. You get through it. Mm -hmm. And in A-Help, we like to say the ease with which you get through it depends on your support systems. Now, having said that, everybody is different as you point out, in what their support systems are. Yeah. Some people deal with it more privately, and they have a few trusted people that they can be absolutely honest with and express themselves. Others um, are, feel like um, they want to reach out, and, um, and they do want to talk about it. So it's important to identify what kind of person you, you are, if you have a handle on that. Yeah. Um, and to just do what feels right, I guess, and, and respect that and honor that feeling. Would you say that in, in any case, whether somebody's inclined to, you know, reach out to community and, and you know, go to a, uh, you know, group or even friends mm-hmm. um, versus someone who's not as inclined to do that kind of thing, um, that in any case, it's important to express and feel, mm-hmm. however that may be. So p- perhaps it's in talking with others and listening to others, you know, mm-hmm. going to your to the A-Help Project's caregiver support circle or a pet loss support group somewhere mm-hmm. um, in your community or reaching out, you know, having that just with your friends and family versus somebody who's maybe not inclined to do that but might express themselves through mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's more private, but they're still expressing and feeling what there is to feel. Because it mm-hmm. seems like regardless, my impression is that that's really important to do, mm-hmm. whatever the style may be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, you know, you brought out art, and we can talk about a resource regarding art, which we mentioned before the interview. You know, there are also, you know, some people appreciate journaling. Some people write a book. John Katz is, uh, you know, a regular um, on this show. Um, some people, um, you know, as I said, you know, just go to, um, you know, their one partner. Some people have a hard time getting through it and don't have a special person, or they don't have anyone that really gets it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they just have a hard time working through day-to-day goings-on. They can't go to work and so on. Um, We call that, um, we recommend to those people to consider a counselor. Yeah. Um, And there are a few pet loss therapists, licensed therapists that can take your, you know, can see people in an appointment and so forth. Mm -hmm. So there are other things that you can do. Um, I personally believe that 
unless there's some kind of a um, um, active process, you know, doing something, anything, like I say, journaling, which is very, can be very private, mm-hmm. um, or art, which can also be very private, or sharing that with another person, I think that you need to move through it. You don't want to get in that stuck process, and you don't want to stuff it down, mm-hmm. because if that happens, it comes out in the most un, um, unsavory ways, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the day, you know day-to-day activities, in the middle of work, in the middle of, you know, in your with your next animal friend. <laughs> And um, and that can really be um, a hard one. People go and look for a replacement dog, go and adopt from the shelter, and then they bring them home, and they just really can't wrap their head around this new one because they're still wrapped in the grief of the old, yeah, of the last. I imagine it could also manifest in a physical ailment. Mm-hmm. You know, some, sure. Because as emotions can do. One of the things you said first off when I asked you was, you know, well, what do you recommend for people to do would be, uh, some sort of ritual, like ceremony, mm-hmm. to you know, like we do for humans, to mm-hmm. acknowledge, and that could that could look a number of different ways. That could be a private thing. It could be the mm-hmm. person going and sprinkling their pet's ashes in some of their favorite spots, mm-hmm. or um, or having community. You know, mm-hmm. having some sort of ceremony or. Um, even just having some friends get together and have some wine, as you suggested, mm-hmm. and just, you know, kind of acknowledge. When we did that event um, with Rainbow Bridge Hearts a couple, almost two years out. ago, mm-hmm. I think, in the fall, it was so, um, you know, I mean, that all the, so many parts of that were really special, but there was that sort of um, part at the end when we all took a flower with Diane was the leader of that and uh, we all took a flower and took turns sharing about our pet who we were there remembering and just 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 getting to talk about it and then listen to other people and of course everybody's crying and Mm -hmm. and there's a, a that for me when I went through the loss of my first dog you know, the first dog that I had and as an, as an adult Chewy, that was really an important part for me. It was like being around community. I went to a pet loss support group. This was pre a help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Yeah. Um, and that was seven months after he had died, you know, I mean, it wasn't like seven mm-hmm. weeks mm-hmm. and that was still really, really wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Community is really powerful. I'm an extroverted person though. So I'm going to do that. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So a ritual or ceremony and then remembrance items are great. Um, we mentioned Rainbow Bridge hearts, um, these glass blown pieces that swirl your pet's ashes in. They're really beautiful. Um, they're locally made here in Seattle, but you can order them from anywhere. And it only uses about a teaspoon of your pet's ashes, so you don't have to hand them all over if you wanted to do other things with the ashes as well. And then you, there's also... Um, Fused memories. So, will you tell us a little bit about that? I'm not familiar with them. So, um, Mimi Handland is um, a social worker who is also a professional network member. And so interesting that when you contacted me about coming on to talk about grief, Julie, I had visited Mimi's home studio that day. Mimi, um, as I said, is a licensed social worker 
who um, does fused glass remembrance items. In, um, and during that time, you have her full attention. She'll teach you how to make the item, um, whether it be a pendant or a, um, you know, a, um, a keep, uh, some kind of a keepsake or a touchstone. Um, and she'll basically, you'll, you'll get a counseling, <laughs> yeah. a moment to share. She's been through a lot of her own personal death experiences, and we all learn from them, um, of course. And, but then also her own personal, um, her professional background so comes into that so are are does is this does this involve the animal's ashes or are mm-hmm. these it does mm-hmm. so they're they're making these pieces fused glass pieces and the and the person actually makes it themselves you're not watching her make them Mm-mm. Mm-mm. oh that's great yeah so it's very hands on there are other things too we this um holiday season um we're considering doing um a healing art um hosting a healing art um, a session, if you will. Um, we always do something around the holidays because we know that that's a special time. Mm-hmm. Things, memories of years past come up so poignantly. And um, so you can look for that. But we always do something in the holidays mm-hmm. because um, it does come up again and again. And artwork can be a wonderful way um, of of remembering. Yeah. And then having something that, like with these glass pieces, something beautiful mm-hmm. to have to mm-hmm. bring back absolutely that, that, that animal's presence. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be a big, um, a, you know, it doesn't be a big deal. You don't have to be able to invest a lot of money in it. Yeah. Um, you know, we always recommend people or suggest that they might set up a tribute table um, following the passing of their loved one, whether animal or human, mm-hmm. um, where it's sort of um, an altar in their home, mm-hmm. um, a place that's designated, and you can put in, oh, you're anything, you know. Um, you can put in a, their collar, you know, your their water bowl, some food, a treat mm. um, a container. Um, some people um, choose to burn incense or frankincense, a nice aroma that they appreciate. Mm-hmm. Pictures, of course, come into that. And to have it be a place in your home where people even ask about it, mm-hmm. you know, visitors, because that sharing can be important um, way of um, expressing and finding out that you have a safe a safe person there, yeah. <laughs> that they showed an interest means that they can be, they can empathize. Yeah. Um, the what other a- thing that I, one of the things I wanted to bring out too is just in the course of your day to day, if you are an extroverted, especially um, individual, you can, um, you know, you're, let's say you're going to work and um, no one knows. Um, so especially for Janice, not knowing what her day to day is, her day to day activities are, um, you know, putting on a, um, a small picture of your animal, um, you know, maybe getting a little teeny frame, carrying around in your pocket with your animal's picture, sometimes just like a, um, a ribbon, you know, to, you know, that might express what it is. And some people will ask about that. Or you can bring it up if you get teary-eyed in the produce section of your grocery store and you are talking to the grocery person just saying, I'm sorry, I just, you know, looking at those carrots reminded me I used to feed my, you know, my, my animal friend, <laughs> this, and I'm sorry, I'm teary, you know, that yeah. kind of a thing that even yeah. those very small things can be meaningful. One of the things that I thought of, 
um, in listening to you talk about pet loss in particular are, as I've talked with people who have gone through this and I've got, you know, gone through it myself is like the, at, you know, at what point they, you know, they sort of will leave the food bowls where they were, they leave the beds where they were. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain point in the process where somebody feels like ready to actually let go of those mm-hmm. p- parts of the pet almost mm-hmm. that from, you know, in the living space. And I just mm-hmm. remembered how kind of how that's a one, one of many layers of the process mm-hmm. of kind of mm-hmm. like, Oh, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the, the dog's bed. And, and at what point do you let go of that and the food bowls and those really kind of personal items that you associate with the animal? Um, I took a class in school, um, one of the best classes that as far as life preparation went. So I was an animal science major, but I took my I was a general animal science rather than being like pre-vet or equine or something like that. So. I had a lot of flexibility for electives, and I took a lot of sociology classes. And I took a class called The Social Organization of Death and Dying. And it was one of my favorite classes, and it really examined all over the world, including this country, how different cultures relate to death. And there was a video I remember watching of these different... um, different countries, um, how they, some, in some cultures, there's this big party, this big celebration of, you know, moving on and, and, you know, and there's all these different sort of flavors around it. Um, but one of the things that I remember that has really stayed with me since that class, and I'm so grateful for is, is really, you know, a lot of people might have an inclination to avoid bringing it up because they don't want to upset the person. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's that's not. It is actually helpful if you have the rapport with the person enough to bring it up and ask them how they're doing, so that they have an opportunity to express themselves. Because it's like, oh, I don't want, I didn't want to upset you, I didn't want to make you sad. Well, they're sad. <laughs> you know, the sadness is there. So if you're actually bringing it up and giving somebody the opportunity to share what they're feeling in that moment can be really helpful to the grief process. So just encouraging you, if you're listening and you know somebody who's going through this, maybe you're not going through it, but you know somebody who's recently lost a pet or loved one, to ask them, how's it, you know, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just acknowledging that rather than kind of avoiding it and just trying to make everything cheerful Mm -hmm. because that's not true. Right. Well, it's important to know that you are kind of a safe harbor, you know, and I can trust that person to get it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who, who in this world, you know, reach out on Facebook, for instance, on Mondays, we have, we have memory, memory Monday on our A Help Project Facebook page, Mm -hmm. um, where people, we encourage people to share their stories and we um, look to our community for shows of support. So you might be surprised where you get those, um, where you get those you know, helping hands and pass on your back and, you know, little heart emoticons and mm-hmm. things like those that mm-hmm. um, can be meaningful too. Yeah. I remember when I did my show in 2009, um, right after my dog died, um, I just talked about my experience and then 
opened up the phone lines and just invited people to call in and share their experiences. And we had a number of callers, Mm -hmm. people who were just listening and called in and talked about their dog who died. And it was really, really a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people know what it feels like. Um, Okay, well, why don't we take a break? And um, when we come back, I just want to talk a little bit more about uh, grief and how you can support yourself or others who are going through a grief process uh, over the loss of a loved one. And then we can um, also talk about what's going on, what's new with the AHELP project. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Next week on Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. At some point, almost all of us have had at least one great idea that we know could make the world a better place and line our pockets. But most of us get stuck in the execution of that great idea. Stanford University professor Tina Seeling can help. Her new book, Inside Out, is filled with surprising research, inspiring examples from her Stanford classroom, and real-world stories from around the globe. Join us every Monday at noon Pacific on Alternative Talk 1150. for past shows at conversationslive.net. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Time for something different. 
Time for Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we're back talking with Michelle Nichols, who's the director of the A-Help Project. And our topic today is pet loss and grief and end of life. The whole ball of wax, right? Everything about it. And we were talking, what prompted this show is that a friend of mine, uh, she and her family very suddenly lost their Doberman. Um, He passed away and um, it came on very quickly and... They certainly were not expecting it. And uh, when I heard of this event last week, I thought it's time to do a show about pet loss and grief to help support anyone out there listening who's going through this process as well. Because it's, you know, I've been through it, Michelle's been through it, and we know how hard it can be. So we were talking in the um, first part of the show actually with Janice, my friend who shared about her experience with Haas and and his, you know, what kind of happened and... um, and then just about him as an individual and what a sweet, gentle soul he was. And um, and then Michelle and I have been talking about grief and some different tools. If you've missed any part of this episode or any of our over 300 shows, you can find them online at dogradioshow.com. That's our website. They're all archived there. You can also go to iTunes and download The Dog Show with Julie Forbes for free as a free audio podcast. And all of our shows also get posted directly to our Facebook page. So you can go to Facebook and search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes and find us there. And you can also find A-Help on Facebook as well. It's A-Help Project. And uh, participate um, with their community on Facebook is great. So you had said, you know, one of the um, sort of aspects of pet loss is that you know, and I, I mean, death. Every everybody's death is is unique and different, regardless if it's human or animal. But the, really, the conversation of euthanasia. A, a lot of times, people are kind of faced with that decision be, just because of how things happen, or if it's an accident, or if the dog just dies suddenly, like what happened to you with one of your dogs, um, and how different. Uh, feelings can come up. I know one thing that I've heard a lot of people say, and I've, I experienced this a bit myself, was the sort of if you're in a situation where you're um, making a choice about the timing of euthanasia to, you know, prevent suffering usually is questioning that after the fact. You know, did I was it the right time? Should I have done more? And uh, and then you brought up, Michelle, if it was an accidental death, you know, feelings of guilt that can come up, that can kind of complicate grief. Um, but, you know, and, and just acknowledging all of those things. And then, you know, with what you really, one of the things that you really aim to do sort of in an ideal situation with part of what you do with A Help Project is the hospice portion of it where people can to some degree, plan it out. Um, so we only have a few minutes left, like three. Um, but just talk a little bit about that. And I can really see the value in just if somebody has a dog who's older, not necessarily sick, but just sort of getting into that conversation so that if and when it does happen, even if, even if suddenly you've had some emotional preparation. Mm-hmm. Well, Quality of life is always key, yeah. and that's what we all want. And everyone says we just want them to be comfortable. Yeah, 
And so through our caregiver support, um, we have uh, been offering email and phone support that can help people prepare for the end, which is, you know, maybe further than some people think, maybe closer. Yeah. Um, but um, recently we've expanded our caregiver support program to where um, we also do comprehensive care vi- in-home visits. Mm-hmm. Um, a hallmark of hospice is um, uh, using a transdisciplinary team, so multi-talented providers. Um, of course, a veterinarian is always a part of that mm-hmm. because they make a statement on, or they make you know an opinion on where your animal is, and vet techs can also be a part of it because they do the backup nursing work. We always go into the home with um, with those folks. Myself, who's a hospice care worker, and we help people and a volunteer mm-hmm. who has a special talent in Reiki or massage, so forth. Mm-hmm. And we come into the home and we help people to build a plan for their animal's kind of best ending, which is based on their values, their goals, and their beliefs for this animal. Um, looks into what are their past experiences? What do they want to avoid? Or I call them the lines in the sand. You know, what what do you what do you feel you can cope with? What can you deal with, and so forth? And we reevaluate those goals as the time comes up, like incontinence, for instance. You know, mm-hmm. now we here are here to this place where they're not holding their bladder. Are you interested in diapering? And they're like, I, this spark is still in his eyes. I'm not ready for him to go. And so let's talk about what that's involved. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, the point is is that through those in-home visits, through the email and phone follow-up, people are able to get their head wrapped around the fact that this is imminent and this is coming. And then we find that they come into acceptance um, about at the same time where their animal is letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, euthanasia decisions then um, can be um, more straightforward. Um, they have been visualizing the euthanasia, as we suggest, and um, or natural death um, options can be pursued again if quality of life um, is maintained and their choices are there based on what their veterinary care team says. Right, and every situation is so different. But the more that you can prepare, the easier the process will be. Perhaps the more uh, clear somebody's going to be able to move through that and make mm-hmm. choices when the time comes. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Again, you can find A Help Project online at ahelpproject.org. That's A H E L P project.org. You can connect with them through there. You can find them on Facebook. You can also find us on Facebook as well. And I'll post uh, this show if you've missed any part of it or if you feel you know someone who would benefit from it. That's an easy way to pass it on, would be just the link through Facebook, our Facebook page. Just search for The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook. You can find us there. And if you'd like to know more about our caregiver support program, then you can go on to our website at ahelpproject.org and then look for caregiver support under the About um, tab, and then you can read more about it. And we work with your vet as well, so you can send your vets to learn more about it too. Great. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for your time today. And uh, if you're out there experiencing the loss of a pet, just know that we know how hard it is and we know how you feel. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes.